0: This is where the problem is, is, that the more you try to change people culturally uh, without changing their material conditions, the more they will respond the opposite way. The
1: death of God is about the drying up of a horizon of meaning and of a whole form of human life. Where do we stand in the illusion
0: it makes? What kind of space are we invited into? The material relations between people become social relations between things. When we look at toasters, corn, and TVs, we
1: don't We see still, them. to a large extent, live in the interregnum between, between worlds, if you will, or between paradigms. Not many people in the history of the world have faced that. Diet Soap. Is a sublation media podcast. Bakri Al Sardawi is a Palestinian lawyer focused on international relations and nuclear disarmament. He is the author of Orientalism, NATO Style for Compact Magazine and Orientalism and Wokeness for Sublation Magazine. So, Bakri, welcome to the Diet Soap Podcast. Thanks for coming on.
0: Thank you for having me, Doc. Yeah, your your,
1: yeah, your essay, f- um, Orientalism NATO style, is is uh, I think a, a, a good part of the conversation that needs to be going on right now, on the left, um, it was somewhat of a, a response to Gene's uh, uh, article um, for Compact, uh, where he was uh, yeah. arguing against uh, the typical anti-imperialist line that embraces Putin as some sort of hero for socialism. But you you take a, a different tact, uh, basically pointing out that it's very easy to slip back and forth between uh, a pro-NATO or pro-Putin position. Um, and so I wanted to start by just asking you whether or not you consider Russia to be an imperialist power, and then more importantly, um, what is the cause of imperialism?
0: In your view? Yeah, thank you very much for uh, this question. Um, the 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 question that you asked me uh, is a question about polarization. Like, we can say that we don't take, we don't want to take any side. Uh, but it's easy to slip, as you said, um, into one side on, or the other. Uh, I think that there are some international law issues with what happened in 2022 uh, and since 2014, uh, including the annexation of Crimea. I cannot talk about, as a Palestinian also, I cannot talk about Palestine, uh, the West Bank, in one manner, and then talk about what was happening in, uh, what is happening in Ukraine in another manner. There's one international law, not two international laws or multiple international laws or regional laws for uh, uh, for different regions of the world. It's just one. So. Uh, what ha? What happened was an aggression uh, in in 2022 of February. Um, I am not an a specialist in the social science myself, uh, but I got uh, interested in the theory of Orientalism first in 2017. Like I started reading Edward Said in 2017 when the culture war was beginning and then um, and in the same time I was re- I was seeing Zizek and getting to know Zizek
1: hmm. uh,
0: and uh, he was one of the few people that was providing an alternative um, view on Marxism back then as opposed to Cancel culture and and uh, all of that. The second time I got interested in uh, in uh, Orientalism and in Edward Said was uh, through my work. I work in the uh, field of nuclear disarmament. So uh, when the uh, after the Iran deal failed in two thousand sixteen and Before that, in 2015, there was a failure of another deal that no one knows about under the Obama administration, which is uh, the uh, uh, Zone Free of Nuclear Weapons in the Middle East uh, conference, uh, or uh, that's in 2012, and there's the Non-Proliferation Conference, which failed because of the Middle East, because of this zone under the Obama administration. So a lot of people talk about the Iran issue, nobody talks about that under the Obama administration, which was a huge failure. So we started becoming interested as researchers in, in, in state ideology, uh, especially mm. nuclear state ideology. And this is where I uh, found Hugh Gusterson, who wrote a uh, an essay about... Nuclear weapons and the image of the other uh, in the West, not after 9 11, before 9 11, 1999, when there was some nuclear testing in Pakistan, India, which Mm. led to a mass hysteria on the news cycle in the West. It was the end of the world back then. So, this is why I became interested in Said. I wanted to do, I started doing my research on. uh, Cold War Orientalism, we can say, before the broader Atlantic Orientalism, during the Cold War and after the Cold War. Uh, In uh, January 4th, 2022, I had no idea that the war is going to start a month later. And I continued with that for months and months. It was a lot of material that I've seen. And... uh, You know, it took me until twenty twenty three that it was published for Compact, uh, the issue of uh, nuclear Orientalism. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah,
1: your your piece for Compact, that, um, which is again uh, titled Orientalism NATO style, is well worth reading. It's very uh, interesting the way you draw connections between the kind of cold war era oriental orientalism and the orientalism of today um mm. your your piece orientalism and woke is, and wokeness is it's also uh kind of uh counterintuitive and and uh, inspires inspired me to think past the obvious because um as you say in your uh piece on, on wokeness and orientalism they they, these two uh notions are usually thought to be opposed um but may not be um i want to get to to that tablature magazine article in a bit but but um the reason i what i asked you to start was what do you think is the cause of imperialism and i guess what i'll follow up with is um do you think that uh Various kinds of orientalism Are what Creates uh, The impetus for, impetus for Imperial action Imperialism
0: That's a good question To say no uh, And <laughs> to start talking about Edward Said and Marxism uh, okay. So uh, uh, that, That's a very good question to, to really start the conversation And go into both uh, articles. Uh, so the first article is a Cold War article, and the second article obviously is a war on terror article, which continues till now and continues uh, domestically within the U.S., which is mm-hmm. something that we're going to talk about later. And uh, even Green, uh, Glenn Greenwald, uh, when January sixth happened, uh, started to draw upon the continuation. But to answer your question. Um, Orientalism does not lead to imperialism. And this is the first criticism against Said from Marxists. So some Marxists, uh, not much Marxists, discredited Edward Said completely. And some Marxists uh, built upon what he said, because what he said was important. So, uh, the book Orientalism came out in 19, 1978. It it came out in a, in a very dangerous era. First of all, you had the re- revolution in Iran that was mm-hmm. taking place. And second, you had the, let's say, the neoliberal re- revolution. Uh, economies uh, post, of post-colonial states were opening up to neoliberalism. Let's see about that deal, what we're going to do about that. Yeah. And uh, and what when it came out, there was a lot of controversy for different reasons. Uh, but Mar- Arab Marxists were very worried about it because it would give uh, ammunition to Islamists who mm-hmm. rose during nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties as a force. Uh, and as a, a, as a social force uh, in, within the uh, Middle Eastern communities and across the borders. Uh, and, uh, of course, Arab Marxists were against their project, but the, the problem with those uh, Islamists is that they were anti-statist, so, on the other hand, uh, liberals were becoming more and more statist because of the Islamic scare in the 1980s and 1990s. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Marxists done, what Arab Marxists done, like uh, Jala, uh, Sadiq Jalal al-Azim, was uh, building upon the theory of Said instead of discrediting because they, they, it was thought that Said had sublimed an important... Uh, state ideology imperialist ideology that was very important in understanding where capitalism were getting to Mm -hmm. Uh, now um, uh, like I said I was reading Zizek and I was reading Said in the the same time the real problem with orientalism is not that it leads to imperialism Uh, it explains it and it mystifies it, It, Mm -hmm. and it explains and mystifies something more important, which is capitalism. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, Samir Amin, uh, Egyptian Marxist, also built upon Said, and said that the problem with Eurocentrism, the problem with Orientalism, is that it makes capitalism permanent. Instead of saying that capitalism would lead to socialism or barbarism, Mm -hmm. it would make us choose between capitalism or capitalism or barbarism. Mm -hmm. Going back to Cold War Orientalism, it was starting uh, in the atomic age when uh, Truman started building the idea that the world out there is dangerous. So, until now, there's the idea that the world out there is dangerous. And this is, this, is what, this is the problem with Eurocentrism and Orientalism. Instead of focusing on the contradiction of capitalism itself, it searches for a contradiction that exists outside of capital. And this is why Marx thought that Said's uh, theory was important. But one of the criticisms said, Said's theory is that he thought that th- thoughts about the Orient would lead to imperialism. Um, no, it is historical material reasons that would lead to imperialism, not, not thoughts about Orientalism. thoughts about Ori- Orientalism would come later, after capitalism has expanded itself. Yeah
1: one of the things that um I pulled out from your um essay for compact it, it reminded me of of Žižek when I was reading it and and because he has a critique of anti-totalitarianism um yeah. and and it seems like I picked up uh that critique here um you wrote that uh well so just to kind of uh I want I want to put this quote in context if I can first and see, tell me if I'm getting this correct. Um, The specter of totalitarianism had an, had an oriental character during the cold war that the, the, the orient was totalitarian. Um, And even when the totalitarianism was arising in Europe, uh, those like Mussolini or Hitler who, uh, embraced totalitarianism were thought to be maybe regressing below the level of the west or were somehow foreign to the west or taking up ideas that from the orient or, or somehow another not um, living up to the western ideal um and so it is in that context where you where where totalitarianism is orientalized that you wrote uh, and am I getting that roughly right? Uh, yeah. From, okay. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: Um, uh, there is um, one of my resources that I cannot find here was that there was a, a, a sense there was a Orientalism within the heart of the anti-Totalitarian theory. Uh, uh, one of the writers, I okay, William Pietz. That's mm-hmm. a, William Pietz, uh, wrote about how uh, a anti-totalitarianism within the heart of anti-totalitarianism there was the idea of oriental depotism uh, the perfect villain let's say which mm-hmm. comes from the orient uh, this villain um was created when capitalism was being created. Mm -hmm. Uh, Montesquieu, when he wrote about the spirit of the laws and uh, wrote about um, private property, and by the way, none of the two uh, articles that I wrote are uh, critical race theory articles.
1: No, yeah. I I
0: just want to say that, but there there was a necessity for Montesquieu to find uh, the other uh, and to compare the other with the self when it comes to the radical bourgeois thinking. Uh, When there was a regressive uh, uh, situation happening in Europe in the time of Montesquieu and there were some You know, the French monarchy was becoming absolutist. Montesquieu started comparing it to uh, the Oriental reader. There is no private property in the Orient. This is what Montesquieu thought. The Oriental uh, leader uh, leads with fear and everybody under them is a slave. And that's why colonialism and imperialism would be a better thing than the uh, oriental despot, by the way, answering the previous question. Mm-hmm. So uh, that turned out not to be true. That was discredited. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, there was another uh, theorist uh, I, I will murder his name uh, Abraham Dupion uh, uh who discredited uh, Montesquieu on that and said that he went to Persia, he went to Hindustan, and he thought that there were some complex uh, legal systems there. Now, uh, uh, the theory of the Oriental despot was rehashed, and it was rehashed to explain Stalinism.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So Stalinism... You know, there are a lot of explanations on, uh, explanations on Stalinism, uh, which, you, you know, that that includes Trotskyists uh, that are historical material, but the anti-totalitarians or a lot of, uh, one of the big names in anti-totalitarians like Keenan, George Keenan, George Orwell, Hannah Ardent, uh, Said that
1: um, yeah. This the, is what I wanted to. This is yeah. what I wanted to ask you because this I had actually written it. This is what you wrote in your article. You yeah. said indeed anti-totalitarianism participated alongside Stalinism in the liquidation of historical possibilities. Yeah. But from the liberal Atlanticist perspective. Yeah. You write. You go on to say Hitler might have been geographically inside Europe but his barbarous actions belong to the non-European world. Once again, Euro-Orientalism proved useful for casting the internal enemy as an outsider. Yeah. For anti-totalitarian thinkers like George Orwell, George Kennan, Hannah Arendt, uh, Arthur Kostler, Nazism and fascism weren't the logical conclusions of Europe's internal political and economic crisis because those totalitarian ideologies were inherently un-Western. Yeah. So um so I I I what I wrote underneath that was would you argue that capitalism is Western or is it Oriental? I, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I will go to that. Thank you very much because I was saved by the bill, your bill. I was a little <laughs> bit so yeah, they they explained Stalinism that it's uh, it's uh, especially Kenan. Which you know, I, I do like Keenan because he was an anti-capitalist conservative. Uh, 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 Keenan, in in one of the in one of the uh, documents establishing Cold War consensus, which is the long telegram, talked about how uh, Stalinism came because of uh, the Russian Oriental mentality. And uh, and th- this is this is really the, the heart of orientalism within the the, the, the cold working census, uh, mm-hmm. a striking example. Uh, in the same time, they were having similar explanations uh, in, on the crisis of Nazism and fascism. That. Uh, and this is what I call it, is Orientalizing Hitler. So first, uh, during World War II and after World War II, uh, Hitler was Orientalized. He was un uh, And after that, Oriental re- uh, leaders were Hitlerized. For example, the book uh, of Jamal Abdel Nasser, uh, Philosophy of the Revolution. Was considered by uh, Western some Western media like Mein Kampf uh, during the 1956 Waste Canal. It was a political situation. They politicized it that way. Uh, so, capitalism. To answer your question, and I go back to Samir Amin, who's a brilliant. You can't read Orientalism without reading Eurocentrism, 1993, by Samir Amin. Uh, Capitalism appeared in the West for historical material reasons. Uh, Mm. You know, the Age of Discovery, uh, the ship routes, uh, Westphalia, all that. A lot of Marxiologists will explain this better than me, why Mm. capitalism appeared in the West. But it did not appear in the West for Uh, a a centralized metaphysical reason Uh, race which is mostly a Mediterranean race Christianity which is also an oriental religion or Islam is an occidental religion the way you see it Uh, the uh, and and many other mystifying reasons uh, the, the once again the problem with uh, Eurocentrism is that it mystifies why capital appeared in Europe uh which and uh, It makes Capitalism none a non-universal uh, uh, Category uh, Right yeah
1: yeah. So, um, so I, I I read this section of the your your article in Compact, and I I, I of course completely agree that you you can't uh, in, in you know in good faith Orientalize Hitler, and um, that the failure of the Soviet Union cannot be explained by uh, pointing to the mentality of the Russians. But I I. Felt you were hard on George Orwell, and that, and maybe there's something to the anti-totalitarian uh, critique of the Soviet Union that we want to hold on to, especially right now. It, it seems to me that um, you know, while, while the you know the anti-communist Cold Warriors, Cold War liberals, are not to be fully embraced, if there's something to be taken up from that they had might be this anti-totalitarian perspective not be not the not the orientalist perspective but the uh desire to embrace liberalism um uh because right now we're living through a time where we're being asked to acclimate to western totalitarianism um and and you know that i would say that the totalitarianism of the East and of the West may have some superficial differences, but they are uh disappearing. Exactly. Um, even on that level, like you know, the West is quickly, it's like not an early adopter, but it's adopting the the kind of smartphone totalitarianism yeah. that we used to think of as Chinese, um, and and so on. So uh, I I just wanted to ask you if you think that um uh, the If we can embrace aspects of what's called the West or liberal ideology or even Atlanticist ideology, the, the way that they, people want to self-conceive in mm-hmm. the West and as a way to um, uh, combat the reality of the imperialism, not the Orientalism, that yeah. is taking hold in, in the West which I think includes this war on the domestic population and yeah that's my
0: yeah I mean Chris Cutrone said it what what if the West is uh, more totalitarian than uh, the Soviet system was ever dreamt to be but yeah. Uh, yeah I mean like I said it's very easy to slip in one way or the other um, George Orwell was one of you, you know, I'm not discrediting him completely, or it's it's just a critique. Uh, uh, I think he tried to draw a map of how totalitarianism war, uh, looks like. He, mm-hmm. he he used English socialism. He didn't use Russian socialism or Arab socialism in his novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the the problem with but I'm not gonna say western totalitarianism, but let's not talk about geographical area but mm. totalitarianism in the age of late capitalism mm-hmm. um the problem with it is that it's tacit um uh, let's once again let's go back to nineteen seventy eight and nineteen seventy nine and mm-hmm. the eighties and the end of the eighties uh so um you know, for you, I know, Doug. That one of the most important things for you and for many of you know, if you're working in in research, is free speech. Mm-hmm. And the nine eleven of free speech was the Salman Rushdie affair, uh, mm-hmm. and you can say that the the other nine eleven free speech was Charlie Hebdo. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there there is a very good. Very very good, uh, so Singh uh, thing article in in uh, sublation about the issue of Salman Rushdie, uh, about even the mass hysteria of Marxists, third world Marxists, who were. Uh, we're seeing Iran as the next phase of uh, anti-imperialism and uh, third worldism back then. And that's very documented in Sunnit Singh's uh, article at Sublation. Uh, the problem is, is that it wasn't a crisis of Islamism. It was a crisis of cultural war back then. There was also mass hysteria on the liberal side. Uh what happened to Salman Rishti proved that the world out there is dangerous. That's why we should follow the neoliberal thesis. It's it's the only alternative. It's the end of history and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh to the extent that they were blinded To see where we're going. Uh, The fact that uh, jihadists were being funded in Afghanistan and the fall of the Soviet Union didn't only uh, lead to uh, regression, social regression, within the Soviet sphere but within the Third World sphere in the Middle East. Communist parties some of them have some Stalinist thinking. I know they're not perfect, but they shrunk after all over the world after the fall of the Soviet Union. And then you had 9-11, and then you had the national security state, and then the attack on free speech. You know, the attack on free speech in the Salman Rushdie affair is, is flamboyant. It's, well, that, that was before 9-11. 9/11. No, yeah. no, no! I know that was before nine eleven. But I was saying that uh, the, the the attack on free speech in the Salman Rushdie affair was, uh, let's say, flamboyant. It was sexy. It was, mm-hmm. but the tacit attack on free speech was lurking, and the left didn't see that. And this is what I tried to say in in the, my compact magazine article that there is. Okay, there's mass hysteria on the uh, side of people who are saying that Russia is anti-imperialist, but there is mass hysteria on the people who are saying that uh, socialism would come out of the Ukraine resistance. Uh, it's, it, this is this is where the problem is.
1: Um, well, can I and, let me ask you about this tacit um, attack on free speech? And, like, try to situate it in time. So, like, we had this um, particular example of an attack on one author. Yeah. Um, uh, By the Ayatollah and, and the fatwa against him. And, and, you know, good liberals around the world, uh, especially Western liberals, you know, were appalled. That's yeah. true. Then, and, you know... Uh, it, it might have been used, that kind of uh, I- imagery and the, the fact of that might have been used to justify quite a lot of imperial and neoliberal actions around the world. But after 9-11, most of those same liberals did little, uh, although it was better than, than it is now, um, to oppose the tacit uh censorship or attack on free speech that arose after 9-11 through the patriot act which was not only giving the state the power to extend surveillance and but also specifically that what i recall was it gave the state the power to track what people were reading um you they yeah. could go into libraries and find out what you've been checking out and things like that yeah. which was um uh a tacit form of censorship. It was saying, are you reading the wrong things? What are you reading? We want to keep track of you. And um, of course, that's only escalated since then uh, in in the West. And um, so I'm wondering, at what point do you think we might say of the West that it is no longer a tacit attack on free speech, yeah. but pretty much the same as Khomeini's? Um, what, I, that's obviously rhetorical, but I'll let you respond okay. to. Them.
0: So, uh, Orientalism as a category has uh, expired itself in the West, and it didn't expire itself in the same time, mm. uh, especially after two thousand sixteen. So, mm. uh, and going back to my article uh, with sublation, um, the uh, when you talk about Orientalism, we we're talking about we we're talking about one aspect of a system of othering that is used by uh, central power. Mm-hmm. So, in in the nine eleven era, you would other uh, Muslim, and after two thousand, the long two thousand sixteen, you would start othering uh, the Trump voter, so on, so forth. Mm-hmm. And this is what I would try to talk about in the article, is that it's not about Orient and Occident and West. No, it's about how systems of power could other, uh, make someone another and uh, and create mass hysteria about it. Although it could be something pretty much normal, like, you know, winning an election or voting for someone that you don't like. Mm. So, a uh, we can no longer talk about Orientalism per se as it is, although it came back powerfully and Eurocentrism came back powerfully in the Ukraine war. But you can no longer talk about it as the main thing right now. The main thing now is uh, using social justice to other people to make them un Western, to make them uh, unmodern make them not exist in this world anymore uh, and to uh, create a division um, and and this is where to answer your question, uh, this attack can become overt uh, mm-hmm. it was overt during the Cold War uh, against uh, communist regimes that are in Eurasia it was overt against Muslims in uh, in uh, the the war on terror and now it's avert uh, in the current war on terror um, uh, there's a, uh, there is a writer called Mark neocleos uh, and by the way, I am inspired by critical counterterrorism uh, studies uh, mm-hmm. when we're writing. Uh, he said uh, that in one of the documents of the Homeland security, uh, Council on uh, scenarios of attacks, they used the uh, name the universal adversary not Western, not eastern the universal adversary, foreign terrorists, domestic radical groups, state-sponsored adversaries and in same in some, in some in same case in some cases disgruntled employees, disgruntled workers, <laughs> class war on terror mm-hmm. so it, it is a uh, but in the same time, my, my critique against—I don't, I don't criticize all uh, liberals. I don't criticize liberals, as I show in my article. I don't criticize liberals who criticize an attack in on on uh, some author because of religion uh, or because of uh, um, his views on religion. Uh, uh, I, I criticize falling into the consensus, the neoliberal consensus, mm-hmm. because of that, and still saying that, no, I'm in the center, I'm not with this or with that. Uh, this, is, this is what I mainly criticize. And going back to the Solomon University affair, I guess it was the genesis of the new atheists, some of the new atheists, like Christopher Hitchens, Bill Maher, mm-hmm. uh, who, uh, who became uh, defenders of the regime. And they believed that it's either capitalism. It's not either West or Orientalism or, or Orient. Either capitalism or barbarism. This is this is what this was their defeat. Uh, and and uh, uh, the, the yeah. their defeat is that they stopped believing in capitalism as a contradiction. It could lead to barbarism, even in the most prosperous industrial capitalist, liberal country, capitalism or barbarism, and they externalized the crisis. Uh, Right. And this is the problem. That This is what I try to say. I I am away from the division between left and uh, uh, sorry, between Orient and Occident, which is an identitarian uh, division. And we're Mm -hmm. against that uh, as we are against other identitarian divisions.
1: Yeah, you know, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, quite a number, I mean, it had been happening before, but quite a number of Marxists or socialists or communists kind of gave up on the proletariat and and on the socialist struggle. And some of them decided that the best that they could do was just try to hold on to the most progressive aspects of capitalist yeah. society um but the problem with that is whenever you try to chase after the most progressive aspects of capitalist society you're always chasing after a contradiction you're always going to be yeah. picking up uh you know like christopher hitchens you know you're going to be siding with the bush yeah. administration for christ's sake you know so um
0: to, yeah, uh, yeah yeah just a second to go back to say he. I don't think Seyed voted to, to, to counter the West as a West. He voted to counter the uh, local bourgeois, you know, to counter mm-hmm. the, 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 the bourgeois West, but the local bourgeois at third world countries mm-hmm. who believed uh, that, uh, who were orientalizing their own populations and who were becoming more and more statist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and this is very this is very important because um, I lost my track of thoughts. But this is what I wanted to talk about. That mm-hmm. it's not a it wasn't a critique of the Western attack of the West, but it was a critique of the surrendering, the uh, the um, to the end of history that was happening in the Third World also. So once again, I'm not thinking West East. I'm thinking about uh, the the stages of capitalism. That yeah. Thinking. yeah.
1: Some of the best things that Zizek have said in the last decade and a half or, or so, uh, mm-hmm. one of the best things is he said that we're all fukiyamas now. Yeah. He said this sort of, you know, uh, with despair. Um yeah. And um, <laughs> what that means is that when you... Uh, I think what I would say, having talked to you, is that when we're all Fukuyamists, we all become a theories of the Orient, yeah. theorists of the Orient. We all, we all try to find um, uh, the other yeah. to explain the contradictions in our society because we have no conception of how to get beyond it uh so w- what we what we have to do is become an apologist for what is and then find the rotten apple wherever it might be uh in our society or in the global society um
0: there is a there is a Zikian theory of the other that mm-hmm. we all know about which is uh, uh the wife who slept with another man she's the other and right even if i'm right even if a war happened in Ukraine, even if there was a fatwa against an author, even if that's right, even if 9-11 was an attack on civil society, uh, just like uh, Spencer Leonard said once, I'm going to still view these events as a liberal, not as a westernized, no, as a liberal, as a neoliberal. I'm going to still view these events as in a pathological manner. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I just remember something that I want to say is that, you know, the problem with Orientalism, the problem with uh, the products of Orientalism, Islamophobia, and all of that, is that it is concerned with uh, under capitalism, under capitalism, uh, um, inviting or forcing uh, one billion person, muslims into bourgeois society but you're you're inviting them to a crisis because bourgeois society as it was in the 18th century does not exist anymore before the crisis of capitalism and mm. that is the problem with surrendering to the to the liberal end of history is that okay you're condemning muslims you're condemning the trump voter you're condemning this and that because they're, not, because they're not being included or in, they're excluding themselves from a society that doesn't exist anymore or that we think that exists, which is bourgeois society in the 18th, 19th century, or I don't know exactly, not a Marxist, Marxist, uh, mm-hmm. before the crisis of capitalism. And, mm-hmm. and this is the crisis of contradiction that we're living in right now. And um, if the crisis is taking place at the center, at the capitalist center, how are we going to solve it globally? We're going to prepare a theory, a ready theory about the other, that you failed to join uh, the bourgeois society because of you. It's your vulnerability. It's your problem. This is what Polish writer Mika Bukowski calls nesting Orientalism. I, I'm a Polish successful person from Wa- Warsaw, and I think people who live in the countryside of Poland, maybe on nearby the Russian border, as Orientals, uh, Homo Sovieticus. Uh, they represent the old regime. So this is this is the main problem. Uh, what I'm trying to sublime here is not to think about, once again, East or West, to think about uh, how people are dealing and coping with and explaining late capitalism.
1: Great. And listen, um, what I want to do now, we've been talking for about 45 minutes, so I want to take a break. Do you have time for another session? We could talk more about wokeness. The room? Yeah, yeah. yeah, the parent room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm so a daily I, listener, so I know the <laughs> formula. Yeah yeah, 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 great. So we'll talk about, uh, you know, how woke um, you know, this phenomena is. And I also want to go after you a little bit for your social conservatism, but without being woke. I'm going to see if I can do that, um, because uh, there's a uh, – I, I, so, I thought I detected so Robert, a, a touch so of it.
0: Robert, Amari said that I'm a Marxist, and you're saying that I'm a social conservative. i'm gonna get hanged from different (laughs) kind of actors for different kind of reasons yeah
1: well i may be wrong i i I want you to be a marxist so uh you 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 know and and this won't be a struggle session I'm I'm i'm
0: a platypus student is that good enough no,
1: that doesn't count. I know Chris yeah. personally.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I I don't want to. Th- this is the thing. I don't want to larp Marxism. I think either you're a Marxiologist or a student of Marxiology.
1: Yeah, I called myself a wannabe. I, I, yeah, I called myself a wannabe Marxist for the longest time, uh, and then I felt like maybe I was confident enough to just call myself a Marxist now i i'm smarter than that I, I think i'll start calling myself a wannabe
0: there marxist is only again. one marxist chris Katrone.
1: oh then no i refuse to yeah. accept that as the answer I, I, I
0: can't be i can't be a mark like there's only one and it's the last one it's chris Katrone.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah that's too much
1: that's too much cult of personality for me
0: but it uh is. listen we'll talk in the parent room
1: If you enjoyed this conversation, please do consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons help to make sure that Sublation Media can continue to provide interviews, videos, books, and articles that are critical of the left from the left. If you are tired of remaining stuck within bourgeois ideologies and politics, help us sublate them both.